What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Ice the Kicker with Matt Ferrara. My name is Glenn Denegris. It is approaching April, so it is approaching the month that the NFL draft takes place in, and teams are starting to get ready in preparation for that draft on April 29th. There were pro days today with a lot of uh, quarterbacks that we that are going to get discussed greatly over the course of the next 30 days. There's been transactions with the Giants getting uh, a number one wide receiver for Daniel Jones, getting uh, getting someone in that secondary um, in Adoree Jackson. But the biggest news of the past few weeks has been the Dolphins making moves. It seems like they have so many first-round picks for the next few seasons. So just to recap, this happened, I believe, last Friday. Was it? So Friday, Mm -hmm. the Dolphins traded the third pick in the draft to the 49ers for the 12th pick of this draft. The a 2022 first and third round pick, a 2023 first round pick. So that happened. Mm -hmm. And 20 minutes later around, they flip that 12th pick that they received from the 49ers and the 123rd overall pick for a 2022 first round pick. Um, to the Eagles and also the sixth pick. So they get out of the top 10 and then back into the top 10. Um, when I first heard the original trade with the 49ers, I immediately texted you in the group chat with Stick and also another close buddy of mine who's also a huge Miami Dolphins fan, just to kind of gauge what you know Dolphins fans were thinking. You didn't answer. I'm assuming you were at practice or something. I had a right? game that day. Yeah, you had a game. <laughs> yeah. So did you find out in the dugout? Did you find out when you got I, home? I found out uh, during BP. During right BP. after my round, uh, one of my coaches was like, yeah, they just traded to 12. And I'm like, um, what? Oh, that must have that fucked was- up your batting <laughs> practice. You must have been all Luckily, screwed up. So it was after my first round. And my second yeah. round, I came in. And then, like you said, that's when they got the Eagles pick. So so my other buddy texted me back immediately saying who they get. Because I guess he wasn't you know, on Twitter at the time. So I was like, big move mm-hmm. for the Dolphins. He texts back, what are you talking about? Who they get? I tell him the trade. And he's like, what? That's horrible. Why would they do that? And he was all pissed. 20 minutes later, it's reported that they get back into the top 10, getting the six pick. And then he's like, oh, wait, this is amazing. So what the Mm -hmm. Dolphins essentially did was they gained a future first round pick in next year. Right. And they got 23, 12. What was that? So they so. In total, they gained the 2023 Niners first round. Yeah, because they they traded the 2022 first round pick that they just got from the 49ers to the Eagles. Okay. So they get the 2023 first round pick. So they gain that Mm -hmm. first round pick and also move back. Essentially all they do is move back three spots. Why Mm -hmm. I think this is so genius for the dolphins is because they gain that 23 first round pick and who they were going to take at three would probably be at six anyway later, because you, you would think that the Jaguars are going to take Lawrence quarterback. The, Jets are probably going to take a quarterback, either Fields or Wilson. We'll see. It's still up in the Mm -hmm. air. The third pick, the 49ers, that's going to be interesting. We're going to get into more detail about that later because, you know, they went out and said that they're not training Jimmy G. He's their guy, but we hear that all the time. So you don't really know. The fourth (laughs) pick is the Falcons, right? So just process of elimination of who these teams would take that big receiver, one of the three big receivers or pits, the tight end is going mm-hmm. to be at the dolphins at six. So I thought, I thought it was a questionable kind of weird uh, trade when they originally mm-hmm. made it with the 49ers. I was like, what are they doing? Why would they move out of position to get a weapon for Tua? And then mm-hmm. once I realized that they, it was all plans for them to move back into the top 10 and they still in prime position to get that weapon for their new quarterback. I think this is just a slam dunk finesse move by the Dolphins front office yeah I mean it it was kind of funny I saw a report that both these moves the one with the Niners and the Eagles were all kind of pre uh pre-discussed and agreed upon weeks ago but obviously they, they just kind of went through on Friday so it was very interesting to me and kind of I went through the same kind of string of emotions I was like damn like all the way to 12 I mean granted they did get three or uh, two extra first round picks and the third round pick, which was the comp pick from Robert uh, Sala being the Jets head coach. So that was kind of funny that the Jets basically gave the Dolphins a a third rounder. And then 
I thought to myself, all right, well, well, who are you going to get at 12? Because you're not really going to get any of the kind of elite four pass catchers. And then I saw that they traded back up with the Eagles, and I'm like, all right, now this is perfect. So now I think they're 100% getting one of the pass catchers. I don't think they're going to get Sewell, even if he is available. And that, to me, I think is awesome because you're getting two with some help, and he desperately needs it. And it's clear to see that the front office is understanding that, hey, we need a little bit of an offensive overhaul, at least in the wide receiver room. and Help is on the way with Tua. And then something else that I thought was pretty genius was when they traded back up with the Eagles, two things. So they they gave the Eagles the Dolphins uh, for uh, first-round pick in 2022 instead of the Niners. So that was kind of interesting. Basically, the Dolphins are betting on themselves that they're going to be better than what the Niners are going to be. And then also, they kept the extra first-round pick in 2023. So now in 2023 they'll have two first-round picks. And you figure that gives Tua basically this season and then the 2022 season. And then if the Dolphins say, hey, after his what third year, whatever that is, that the fourth year, he's not our guy anymore, they have the ammunition to uh, to come uh, get a guy and get a quarterback if they need to trade up, if one of those picks happens to be where you can get a quarterback. So I think it works out perfectly where you get Tua his help now. You're also – giving him some insurance for the next two to three years. And then you're also giving yourself a safety blanket in 2023. So I think it's a perfect storm of moves that is just a kind of a tip of the cap to, to the Dolphins front office for, for making these moves. Yeah. And when these trades happened, my first thought was this team absolutely believes in Tua. They wouldn't make these moves and wouldn't move around as much as they would if they didn't believe that Tua was going to be their guy. So they're definitely going to get, a pass catcher for him with that six pick. I'd be shocked if they didn't. It wouldn't make sense if they didn't do that. But yeah. what you said was interesting. And we talk about it all the time. Everybody talks about it. Everybody that knows football and knows how the game is today with young quarterbacks is that third year for the young quarterback is really the show me season. Like, are mm-hmm. you going to be our guy or not? Sam Darnold had that last year, failed. He's probably out with the Jets. My mm-hmm. team, the Giants, Daniel Jones is entering that third year. And it's kind of like a put up or shut up kind of thing. Now, Giants made the moves to get him more weapons, get him a better roster. Now the Giants need to win. The same thing is going to be said about Tua. As you said, if he doesn't perform in that third year, the Dolphins are in prime position to just move on and just get Mm -hmm. a a quarterback because they wouldn't be wasting a first round pick on a new quarterback admitting they fucked up like the Jets Mm -hmm. are going to be doing because they already have they have a safety net in a second first round pick. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't be the end of the world if they if Tua didn't work out and then they had to use a first-round pick and their only first-round pick in 2023 on a quarterback. So it, the Dolphins are in prime position to, um, to challenge the Buffalo Bills and eventually the New England Patriots because you know they'll come up and we'll see what happens mm-hmm. with the Jets. The only thing now to do is to pick the right people. You, yes. you can have... You can have the best draft picks in the world. You can have the number one pick for the next 10 years. If you don't pick the right Mm -hmm. guy, you don't pick the right guy. The number of your draft position is air. It's nothing. It's just an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Now you got to cash in on that opportunity. So where it stands right now, who is first on the draft board for you at number six? Who is your dream? Who are you hoping falls? I think... And and funny you say falls because at like you were prefacing before, you're probably gonna get three maybe four quarterbacks before the Dolphins pick at six. So the only they might really all kind fall. of they might all that's fall. what I mean. So it, it it's kind of weird, and that's why it's such a perfect position for them to be in at six, even opposed to say seven, because the only really competition you have for a pass catcher is maybe the Falcons. But I have a feeling they're gonna go with a quarterback, and then. You figured the Bengals, yeah, I think Chase, if, if any of the pass catchers go, it'll be him just because of Joe Burrow. But they need some offensive line. So you figure the Dolphins are going to, I think, 100% have a chance at either Pitts, Waddle, or Smith. Now, for me, I would say my dream would be Waddle, Smith, Pitts. And honestly, I, I would be fine with all of them. The only the the Pitts one is, is more interesting because they already have uh, – three tight ends that they have signed and they already have Gasicki. not saying you can't run two tight end sets because teams do it all the time, especially in today's NFL. And like we keep prefacing and a lot of other uh, sports analysts keep talking about Pitts isn't a 
quote unquote tight end. He's a pass catcher. He's a, a nightmare for defenses to have to game plan. So if they end up with him, that's perfectly fine. But my preference would be Waddle one and then Smith two because they need some speed. They need they have that chemistry with two of us. So you don't have to worry about that having to have to be developed like we see so many young quarterbacks have to develop that chemistry. And anytime you can get that speed and you pair that up with Will Fuller, who they just got in free agency, speed is something that I think it's impossible to guard in a sense. You have to game plan against. You have to throw a safety over the top. Now, a lot, a lot of like, so a guy like Jamar Chase and a guy like Kyle Pitts, they're more like route technicians. They 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 create separation with more physical uh, kind of ability stuff like that. I feel like it's easier in the NFL to guard that than it is to guard speed. I mean, we see it with Tyree Kill. You basically tell him, "Hey, go run straight or go run run a slant," and then you're in open space. You just can't catch the guy. So mm-hmm. that, that's where I'm kind of going with. I'd rather have that speed with Waddle. And then if not him, then go with Smith. You could teach a wide receiver that's super quick to run a good route. You can't mm-hmm. teach a good route runner to be fast. Mm-hmm. Like being yeah. a speed is just that God-given ability. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at the secondaries in that division. You look at the defensive minds in that division with, you know, with the, what the Bills are doing with what Bel- Belichick does. It's mm-hmm. kind of it would kind of be beneficiary to have that unteachable kind of skill in a wide receiver yeah. in speed. Like as you said, um, a guy like Tyreek Hill, he's virtually unguardable. Um, prime Odell Beckham Jr. Eli would give him a mm-hmm. slant; he'd take it eighty-five yards. Yeah. You see time and time again, and you know a guy like Tua, I think yeah, I think definitely need the speed. Someone who could beat a cornerback over the top and just mm-hmm. take it. Because that's how you're going to score in today's NFL. That's how yeah. it's a vertical game now. It's not a lot of yeah. uh, ground and pound running backs. It's not a lot of quick out routes anymore. People like to get the ball up and down the field. We saw it with the Chiefs for the last two years, mm-hmm. two three years, dominating the league because they just throw it up and down the field. Uh, same with yeah, you know. Go ahead. Something real quick on that. And I was watching a video, and it was uh, Adam Sarkeesian, so the the old offensive coordinator for. Bama and he was with the Falcons for a little bit too in USC. Now I believe he's at uh, Texas. He's the head coach there. He was talking about kind of like what we're just talking about, the, how the the big play kind of offensive scheme is what is a little bit more favorable in the NFL now. And you see where the Saints used to be, all right, a bunch of kind of tiny paper cuts that will eventually bleed you out. And you, you get those eight to 10 play drives. And Adam Sarkeesian was talking about how that kind of, Offense is a lot harder to perfect because you're basically relying that all 11 guys on the field are either one winning their routes two doing their jobs, uh, blocking the, the guy they need to block and doing it well. So you're expecting a perfect execution for eight to 10 times on one drive just to get maybe three or seven points. Whereas if you have guys who have that big play potential, like you said, with Odell, you give that's one play. And that's one slant, which is one of the easier routes, I would say, to kind of hit. It's only within probably five yards, and he could take it to the house. Now you only need your, your guys to basically do well for maybe four plays, and you can get a touchdown yeah. opposed to that eight to ten. So it's kind of just giving yourself the best chance to be successful and allow a little bit more room for error because when you expect that kind of perfect offense, and I think that's why you're kind of seeing a little bit of the demise with the Steelers because that's what they did. They would just go slant, slant, short, short, short. It wouldn't work, whether it be a penalty, whether it be they had, they had if you had one run where you kind of got stopped for no gain, it throws off the whole entire game plan. So you kind of need those big play game changer type receivers out there. Yeah, not only in the course of a drive, but in the course of like a single play, a speed receiver could make up for, you know, deficiencies on the offensive line, deficiencies mm-hmm. with the quarterback's arm strength because you get them a, a quick pass. And they can make it a long pass. They can make it an 80 yard mm-hmm. run. And exactly. like those kind of like bigger, kind of tough receivers, they're not really a, a threat really until you're with you're in inside the 20 yard line. Am I right? Or mm-hmm. yeah, you know what I'm trying no, to say? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So definitely you got to get a pass catcher if you're the Dolphins. And, you know, it's amazing that they were at three, they go to 12, now they're at six. Anyone who they were going to get at three will probably be at six. So it's just a masterful work by Mm -hmm. the Dolphins front office. Now, the Niners will 
flip the subject to the other teams in this, you know, Friday trade frenzy. The Niners go to the third spot from Miami via Houston. So it's yeah. amazing how that, how that works. <laughs> they went out and they said that they're not trading Jimmy Garoppolo and he's their guy. We we heard this before, you know, the Giants famously said we didn't trade, we didn't sign Odell to an extension to trade him. They trade him like mm-hmm. three weeks later. This is just the way they talk in the NFL. So take that with a grain of salt. What do you personally think the Niners should do with Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you think they should hold on to him and get one of these pass catchers at three that will be there, assuming that the first two uh, teams in the draft, the Jaguars and the Jets, take a quarterback? Or do you think that they themselves take a Wilson or Fields, whoever the Jets don't take, and they ship Garoppolo off, maybe back to New England or wherever? Where do you think the best look is for the Niners? Because remember... They were a team, they were they didn't play well last year, but you know, mm-hmm. Garoppolo was hurt and a lot of their roster was hurt. This is a team that was still in the Super Bowl just two years ago. So it's not a complete rebuild. So do mm-hmm. you think they start all over at quarterback, or do you think they just add to the roster around him? I think they one hundred percent are gonna go with the quarterback just because I mean you look at what they gave up to go from twelve to three, and they gave up two first rounders and a third rounder. You don't really do that for a wide receiver. I don't really care how good these guys are because these guys are amazing at at the pass catching position in this draft, but you're not giving up that much to get those guys. And I think it's kind of a a testament to how they feel about Jimmy G basically saying, hey, Jimmy G got us to a Super Bowl and we damn well should have won. And they basically know he wasn't that good. So they're basically saying any rookie quarterback can come in in that Shanahan system and perform to the level that they expect to go compete for Super Bowls. And I think that's an awesome thing for Kyle Shanahan to, to have that confidence in himself. And I agree with him. I think he can take any one of these guys. And now you're hearing a lot of rumors that they're they're looking at Mac Jones even to, to be their guy. Because, I mean, you look at Mac Jones, and, and this is the case with a lot of the bigger name kind of uh, college uh, prospects, is usually what you see is kind of what you get. So I have a feeling where as opposed to say like a Trey Lance who has a lot of untapped potential. Now, Kyle Shanahan could just be saying, Hey, listen, I see what Mac Jones has. I like what he has or a guy like Justin Fields opposed to having to wait, not waste time, but take a little more time to develop a Zach Wilson or develop a Trey Lance. So I think they're 100% going to go pass catcher. I would be very surprised if it was a guy like Trey Lance, just because again, I think he's you mean quarterback, a little right? bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would I say? What'd you said say? pass my catcher. Bad. Oh my, yeah, my. They're definitely gonna go quarterback. But I'm, I'm curious to see if you're gonna look at more finished products, say like a Justin Fields or Mac Jones, or a guy with a lot of untapped potential and maybe a higher ceiling like a Trey Lance. But if they were gonna go that route, wouldn't they have just stayed where they were? Don't you think Mac Jones would have been where they were at? Um, where were they before? Twelve they were at the twelve. Uh, Don't you think so, Mac so Jones this- would have made it to twelve? So this is the interesting thing that obviously us as fans don't see is that the GMs, I feel like, have a good grasp of how the draft is going to pan out, at least the first round, I would say. So in my eyes, I'm sure they felt that, listen, the Falcons are probably thinking about drafting a quarterback. Maybe not 100%, but maybe they're on the fence. So right there, you, you say you, you take a name out of the hat there. They know the Dolphins weren't. They know the Bengals weren't. Detroit maybe could be, you know, Carolina needs one and you know, the Broncos are probably going to kind of try to get one too. So right off the bat there, that that's what I mean. Now is, is Mac Jones a top three talent in this draft? I would say no, but is he the third best quarterback in this draft? You, you could make the argument. Yeah. So that's where they're probably kind of trying to feel the room and they need to jump. Like I just said, to jump Denver, jump Carolina. And now, possibly jump uh atlanta too so that's where they kind of just said screw it we're gonna do whatever we can to make sure we can at least get a choice between because you figure lawrence and wilson are probably or probably gone i would say they're gonna at least get a choice of mac jones trey lance or justin fields so getting their their choice of three quarterbacks opposed to waiting for one you make a good point i'm looking at the top 10 in the draft right now you got the jaguars the jets the niners the falcons uh, you skip the Bengals, skip the Dolphins, the Lions, the Panthers, the Broncos. That's what seven of the first ten picks are teams yeah. that could 
theoretically take a quarterback. And mm-hmm. out of how many quarterbacks would realistically go in the first round? Five, four. I would, say, go, I would say five probably. If you Lawrence, throw, if you throw in Wilson, Mac Jones now, Fields, uh, Jones and Lance probably. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Who knows? No but more yeah, than that. I, I more than that. No, no more than that. I, no I more than that. So that's five. Yeah. I don't have. Have has there ever been a draft where the top ten teams needed like more than half of them needed a quarterback? I don't think so, but again, I feel. And has like there every ever episode... been a draft where there's been five first round quality guys at quarterback? Normally, there's like two or three at the most. Yeah, I, I, that's a good point too. And again, I, I think a part of that is that we again we we talked about a lot in every episode that we have a lot of older quarterbacks, especially in the NFC, that are they they they're basically their time is up. And I also think that people are seeing these Mahomes and Watson and Wilson mega deals, and they're saying, listen. We need to get a quarterback on a rookie deal so we can have four to five years of a little financial freedom where they're getting $8 million a year opposed to 40 or, or more. So a lot of teams, even if they have a guy like someone like Sam Darnold who uh, physically can probably still do it and get better, but it's, it's just not worth the potential second contract where you're going to have to pay him 25 plus mil to, to give you kind of average play where you can go take a chance on a guy like Zach Wilson who may he, he may at the best give you average play, but at least it's costing you $8 million and you can live with that. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Like a lot of these organizations, their mindset now is they don't want another team's damaged goods. Right. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, Darnold and Garoppolo are still young. They're being casted off by their current organization for a reason. And that's because Mm -hmm. it's not a fit. They're not playing well. It's not working out. And if you're an organization like the Jaguars, like, you know, like um, the Falcons, like the Lions, like the Panthers or the Patriots later on in the draft, you probably rather draft a college guy and groom him from mm-hmm. from scratch directly from you than take a damaged Sam Darnold, who's both physically and mentally kind of messed up mm-hmm. with what he yeah. had to deal with, with the Jets. So that kind of begs the question if all these teams are trading up trying to get the top five quarterbacks in this draft, where's the spot for a Jimmy Garoppolo? Where's the spot for a Sam Darnold to get their second chance? Because we see a lot in the NFL, you know, Josh Rosen, it's been three or four years. He still hasn't gotten that second chance yet. You know, a Marcus Mariota, he still hasn't gotten that second chance yet. They might be Garoppolo and Donald might be, done if they if their organizations cast them off i think darnold more than garoppolo because garoppolo i think has that safety net with new england because i think there is still mm-hmm. you know a little yeah. um there, i still mm-hmm. i still think those two parties are flirting with each other but darnold yeah. specifically and you can throw in garoppolo th- they might not get a second chance yeah i mean again the only the only place you would have to look would be at a team i mean outside of the patriots who are sitting at like i think pick like 15 you're gonna have to look to a team like at the back end of the draft like maybe the buccaneers take it a flyer even though they already they have uh they took a little bit of a flyer on rosen but i think rosen's with the niners now i think and then you look at the steelers too potentially who are usually on the back end uh, of the draft there because they make the playoffs so those are really the only kind of landing spots i could see but like you said like you have like a guy like mariota too who when he was in he, he showed some flashes but then there's obviously times where you're like, all right, well, now you know why he's a backup. And you, you see guys like Jameis, too, who seems to be getting his second chance. But it's probably a one-year tryout, and that could be the rest of his career. And, and I guess yeah. we're seeing how kind of just brutal the NFL is. Because, I mean, again, you look at Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, two quarterbacks who are, I, I think, again, very talented. I think a lot of the draftees that come out of college are always talented. But then you have to look at the talent around them and then the coaches around them. And Josh Allen's surrounding staff is infinitely better than what Sam Darnold had to deal with. So it, it just makes you think almost like how many quarterbacks just kind of get casted out and, and their careers are kind of go down the drain because they were dealt a bad hand and had a bad uh, supporting cast around them. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of the beast here, but it, it just it sucks for guys in, in that position. And this conversation really emphasizes how amazing it is that Fitzpatrick continuously finds Oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, we all love Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's a fun character, right? He has the beard. He went to Harvard. He's the the whole deal. Mm -hmm. But 
he is a guy that's a career under 500 quarterback. And he's not a quarterback that you're going to pick up as a fan of an organization and be like, oh my God, we can go to the Super Bowl with this guy and we can mm-hmm. build around this guy. We can have a future around this guy. He's not that, he's not that quarterback. He's a journeyman quarterback. Yeah. So if you're Washington, right. And you cast it off. Dwayne Haskins didn't work. He'll never, I don't think he'll get that oh, second. I no, think he's no, done. No in the shot. He's, he's mm-hmm. like a, he's like a Jamarcus Russell kind of situation with yeah. not getting a second chance. Um, but yeah. So Fitzpatrick comes into Washington if you're a Washington, you're a Washington fan. If I was a Washington fan, I'd be like, you know, I'd much rather take that flyer on Garoppolo, take that flyer on Sam Darnold than an aging journeyman quarterback. Like, I, I don't know. It, it's a team that just won the division. Yeah. And it's a, so if you put Darnold on the Washington football team, you're putting him on a division winning roster. It was a terrible mm-hmm. division but it's a division championship nonetheless. And you see what the kid could do in one year before you can either say, we're not going to pay you or we are going to pay you. Fitzpatrick doesn't do much for me. I mean, you had him, you saw, you saw him much Mm -hmm. more than I, he hasn't played for the giants yet. He's played for the dolphins. (laughs) Um, Is he a guy, if you were an organization that was kind of an in-between kind of like, we're not, we don't have the franchise guy, but we're still good enough to maybe compete. Is he the guy you would really want? Or would you rather take that shot? on a 23-year-old Sam Darnold. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's so tough because again like 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 you, you kind of just said and, and kind of convinced me a little bit too like if I'm Washington like I know you're thinking about this year but you have to at the very least think about at least 2 years after this year and that's where you would say what does Fitz do for you? Like is he winning you a Super Bowl? Can he win you a division? Yes, but can he give you anything after that? Probably not just because, and, and you don't know how many more years he has left either. He's a, he's a year to year kind of guy. Whereas Sam Darnold or Jimmy G, you could have struck gold with him specifically Sam Darnold. I think you put him in that system with those weapons. Like he, he has one good year and then you're next thing you know, you have your franchise quarterback for the next four to five. So the, the kind of risk reward or, or opportunity cost as far as getting uh Fitz magic over a guy like Darnold or Jimmy G doesn't really seem to add up. And you could say the same with Andy Dalton in Chicago. Like, what is that move? Like it, it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. Especially I would definitely, I would a thousand percent rather have Sam Darnold than Andy Dalton. Like it, it, that, that it, didn't make sense. I know it's, I, I agree. Did you it's, see that they it. tweeted like QB one and then a picture one, of Andy yeah. Dalton, like read the room. Yeah. Like I don't understand like why they thought that was a good idea. It's just, I, I, it's so weird because in all sports nowadays, you see that everybody wants the younger guy. Like you're always going to take the younger guy over the older guy. That's just how it is, especially in football too. And for some reason, like Fitz and Dalton just keep kicking. Like, like how do you not try to trade for Mariota even and see what he's got? It's just, I just, it's it's more so just for them to kind of save their job and you, you at least know you're going to go 500 opposed to imploding. But I, I don't know. I don't like any of those moves. Yeah, it doesn't really make sense to me what Washington did. doesn't make sense to me what Chicago did. I mean, Chicago, you know. That, one, that was the, the worst move. They made the playoffs with Mitch Trubisky. I would think that Sam Darnold's better than Mitch Trubisky. I would have to agree. I think everybody uh, would too. But you know, I I can make the argument that I'd rather have Mitch Trubisky over Sam, Andy Dalton. I don't. It's it wouldn't be a good th- argument, so too, but it's yeah. an argument that I can make. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I think I so too. Let's talk about the final team in that Friday trade kind of situation: the Eagles. So the Eagles, uh, I can't read my own right handwriting. The Eagles gain. They flip the twelve. The, they flip the six for the twelve. So they're going to be twelve. Mm-hmm. They're also getting the 2021 first round pick from the Dolphins that they just got from the 49ers. So they gain a first round pick, but move back six spots in the draft behind the Giants. So, um, so two things. One, I have two, I have two friends who are Eagles fans. Mm -hmm. One was happy about the trade. One was very upset about the trade. The one that was upset about the trade is because they kind of phased themselves out for the patch catchers that we've been talking about for the last couple months. The one that's happy about the trade is said, or basically his reasoning is that the team's not going to be good this year, no matter what they do, even if they take mm-hmm. one of the receivers, because you know the the roster is just in a mess. They're in cap space hell, 
and we don't know what Hertz is going to be. So let's mm-hmm. let's pile up the first round draft picks and let's go from there. That's basically his reasoning. The one that's upset wanted the wide receivers, right? Which one do you think is right? Do you think that the Eagles made a good move moving back in the draft this year, gaining a first round pick next year? Or do you think they should have stood where they were in the top 10 and got, you know, best available player at that point? I think it's a it's a phenomenal move what they did, to be honest, because, again, I know, yeah, it might sting a little that you're not going to get that elite pass catcher in this draft, but there's still a ton of guys on day two that you could get to right the wrongs of, of signing or of drafting J.J. Arcia-Whiteside over uh, uh, D.K. Metcalf and then getting Rieger over Justin Jefferson. So it's going to have to wait another year to right those wrongs, but that's perfectly fine. And you look at the Eagles situation, like you said, you have Washington right now who's kind of in like this QB limbo where you don't really know what they're going to be a year from now, and that benefits Philly. You have Dallas who's selling out basically for the next two years or three years or whatever it is. I don't know how they're going to be able to afford guys. And then you have the Giants who are kind of selling out for this year and then the next couple of years as well. So it's not the worst thing for Philly to be in the position they're in because they have an opportunity to rebuild but not tank if that makes sense, because you look at their draft picks next year, if Carson Wentz plays more than 75% of the snaps, that Colts pick that they got for Wentz becomes a first rounder. So they could have a potentially three first rounders in next year's draft. So you basically, I would treat this year like a tryout and for, for all these players and say, listen, Jalen hurts is probably, I mean, honestly, he's, he's going to be a tryout too, to be honest. And I'm assuming he's going to come out on top because I think he's a really good player, but everyone else around him, you're saying, listen, we're obviously going to try to win. We're not tanking. You're probably not going to keep around many of the vets because I know guys like Zach Ertz are, are trying to work a trade to get out of there, which is perfectly fine. But it might not be the prettiest of years for Philly, but they're by no means tanking. And I think that's a phenomenal position to be in where they can still try to win games and they still have three first round or probably three first round picks come uh, the 2022 draft. So I think they're in an awesome position. I know it hurts probably right now. But I still think they're in a great position, especially come next year when they have uh, just a treasure of first round draft picks to get. And they can get another you can get two wide receivers there if they if they need to. I agree. Actually, I think that the Eagles, as you said, I don't think they're going to uh, be in a full rebuild. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. that they're not going to be their record's not going to be bad because it could still be bad if things don't work out. And then they their mm-hmm. draft picks are better in the first round over the next couple of years. But. You know, I think it's an interesting year for Philly. I think it's a transition year, whether it's a eight and eight year or a four and twelve year or however the math goes with the extended season. I it's going to take me a little bit to get that math down when I predict mm-hmm. records. Um, yeah. But I think the key is going to be Jalen Hurts. If Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. hits, and I, not a lot of people are kind of like giving him a chance to do that, but let's just say he mm-hmm. does. Right then, now the Eagles are in a fantastic situation because they don't need to use any of those first round picks on a quarterback because they would have one and then if he doesn't then you have the capital to get a quarterback but i think that Mm -hmm. this is the year i think the sole purpose of this season for the eagles is to see if jalen hurts can play quarterback in the nfl and from what i saw last year i I saw enough to for the answer to be yes i don't know if you agree or not i saw things that Mm jalen hurts did pretty well um, I saw things that weren't so well, but as we talked about a lot over the last you know, few months, it was a very weird year, especially to be a rookie in mm-hmm. the NFL. So we'll see what happens with Jalen Hurts. But yeah, I like, I like the idea of stockpiling on draft picks. The Eagles weren't gonna be, aren't going to be good this year. Um, even in a bad division, you would think with Dak and his extension and being healthy and the Giants mm-hmm. moves they made um and Saquon coming back and obviously Washington's Washington's the defending champs the Eagles are kind of on the outside looking in on 2021 but that doesn't mean that they can't Mm -hmm. springboard themselves to the top of the division again in 2022 so I agree with you actually um I think the Eagles I think the Eagles are in a good shape the thing with the Eagles is just like you know what we just said about the Dolphins is that you got to pick the right people you got to hire the right coach and you got to have the right GM and you got to and the owner needs to be you know competent and that's not that hasn't always been the case with that organization. So mm-hmm. that, that that's going to be half the battle is to get everybody in the front office on the same page and making an informed and ultimately correct decision with the draft picks that you get. Because as I said before, 
draft picks are just air. They're nothing until you make them something. Um, so we'll see what happens with the Eagles. Let's move. Let's move to the Giants because they made some noise um, nice. over the last couple of weeks. I've been screaming about the weapons that Daniel Jones hasn't had <laughs> in his first two years. Um, no offense to Darius Slayton. He's not a number one receiver on a playoff slash Super Bowl contending team. Sterling Shepard is a slot guy. He's not someone who should be on the outside. And then after that, uh, I, I don't even know who the third wide receiver was. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on it. Mm-hmm. Ingram's terrible. I think everybody knows that. So they went out and they did what Giants fans were screaming for them to do for like days, right? I don't remember a time where a fan base bullied an organization to signing a guy, right? So the Giants fans mm. really wanted Kenny Galladay, and the Giants went out and they got him. So now the Giants have that bona fide number one wide receiver. Puts a little less pressure on the Giants to draft one of the receivers in the first round if they should fall to them. I still think they should. I don't know if you agree with me or not. I think a Kenny Galladay or and a you know, a Smith or a Chase or a Waddle one, two with Sleppard in the shot slot and, you know, Slayton coming off the bench to have some, to run some routes as well. I think that's a very formidable receiving core. Um, but you know, Kenny Galladay was a guy they had to get. And then on the other side, the defensive side, they got Odori Jackson to play on the opposite side of James Bradbury. And now all of a sudden you have a very intimidating secondary. So I like what the giants are doing. And now my expectations are going a little bit higher. I need the Giants to win this year. I can't. I can't do six and ten. Can't do five and eleven. I can't do five hundred. You need to be over five hundred. You need to be at least around the nine ten win mark. And you got to be there at the end of the year for the division. I, there's no more excuses for Daniel Jones. This is year three. You have the weapons. You have the defense. The offensive line's eh, but the offensive line's also manageable. Like, it's not a terrible mm-hmm. offensive line like what Eli had to deal with the last five years of his career. It's an okay offensive line. It's an improving young offensive line. I think the Giants need to make a significant step in the right direction. And I read an article yesterday about, you know, what John Mara was saying in an interview. He kind of agrees with that sentiment. So I think this is a big year for the Giants. And I think, you know, Jones and Gettleman, I think their futures are on the line in 2021. Yeah, I mean, I think, I, again, right off the bat, Joe Judge had a good impression on all of Giants Nation. I think he's done uh, a, a great number on kind of persuading a lot of free agents to come in. I mean, I think re-signing Leonard Williams was huge too. Obviously, yep. the money was huge, but mm-hmm. you re-signed kind of one of your own, and he was – a staple in that defense and their defense is what won them a lot of games that year. So you tip the cap to him there. You did what needed to be done at, at all costs. Same with Kenny Galladay around like $18 million a year. Again, is that a big number now? Yes. Will it be in a year or two years when the salary cap goes back up to 200 plus? No. So perfectly fine there. They did what needed to be done. So again, tip of the cap to get them in there. It, it, it seems like he's, starting to make like finally some obvious decisions. Now he's going to have some fun decisions once Ingram Jones and Barkley uh, hit the last years of the contract, but we'll get into that in, in a couple of years, but I, I love what they're doing. And like you said, they need to win. Like there's no more five year, six year rebuilds, no more regime changes right now. Like you have to win right now. There's no reason with the landscape of this team, there's no Tom Brady in their division like he was with the Patriots in the AFC East, they can easily, or not easily, but they can easily compete, I'll say that, for the division title. There's no reason they should have less than, I would say, nine wins because that would, to me, would either mean someone got injured and then obviously stuff like that happens or they just completely imploded. And I don't really see that happening with the guys that they have in play right now on that team. Now, kind of cycling back to, what you were saying before, as far as drafting one of the uh, elite pass catchers in this draft, I think you 100% do that. And this is a very touchy subject with Giants fans that a lot of them feel like indebted to guys like Shepard and Darius Slayton and Evan Ingram. And then a lot of guys are, oh, we got to draft an edge or we got to draft a linebacker, or, like Micah Parsons would sound nice, stuff like that. But none of those three uh, pass catchers that I just named are stopping me from getting a guy like Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts. Not a single one of them. 
Yeah, I mean, it's no disrespect, obviously, to Slayton and Shepard, uh, yeah. Slayton and Shepard and Ingram, but you know, these what everybody is writing about, all the NFL writers and all the scouts and all the teams, they're saying that these three receivers and you throw in Pitts, the tight end, are game changing guys, and you don't always have an opportunity to draft game changing guys. I mean, remember the complete facelift and kind of shock to the system that Odell did for the Giants. Now, it didn't Mm -hmm. necessarily translate in wins, but that's more the roster's fault and not Odell Beckham, the player, right? So Mm -hmm. if you get, if you have an opportunity to put yourself in a time machine, if you're the Giants in this draft and have an opportunity to get that Odell Beckham talent at wide receiver that a lot of people are saying these receivers are with the much improved roster that you already have, all of a sudden you have a scary, scary, scary receiving core for Daniel Jones to work with. And Daniel Jones is a guy who really needs to prove himself. So you want to give him the most opportunity for success. He's one of the better, one of his best um, qualities and attributes as a, as a quarterback is his ability to throw the ball down the field. He's one of the better down field throwers in the mm-hmm. NFL. So if you just stack up his weapons, it's going to make up for a lot of deficiencies deficiencies that the roster has. Yes, the Giants do need an offensive, I mean, a, a defensive end. They need an edge rusher. That's totally, I totally see that. I totally agree with that. But mm-hmm. you're not going to take, you. what I'm trying to say is that when you're the 11th pick in the draft and you have these kind of guys at wide receiver available, you can't draft need. You got to just draft skill and you got to draft best available player, best player available. So in my opinion, you got to take the receiver. If Chase Waddle or Smith or Pitts are there, you take them and you deal with the roster crunch of the depth chart. When you get to it, Ingram won't be happy if they draft Pitts. He won't Slayton and Shepard won't be happy after bringing in a Waddle and a Galladay because, you know, they're not going to have as many snaps as they would, but that's just something mm-hmm. you deal with. It's business. And, you know, yeah. Waddle and Galladay is a much better receiving core than Shepard and Slayton. It just is. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand the sentiment that, oh, we don't need Waddle, Chase, or Smith. We have Darius Slayton. That's not good enough for me. I think that's stupid. Yeah. No offense to Darius Slayton. I'm sure he's a nice guy. But yeah. the talent is just here and here. It's 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 unrecognizable talent. Yeah, and, and that's where, and you brought up a great point about kind of what do teams need to do from a draft strategy standpoint? And I think when you're like a top eight pick, you're going to get a top eight player. Now, when you kind of fall into those mid-teens and even above, that's where you kind of see teams, quote-unquote, reach for guys because they maybe they need alignment. And they're like, ah, oh, well, we can't really wait till the second round, so we're going to get this guy. And a lot of times it kind of it burns Never them. Works out. And, I think, and I think a perfect example of drafting best player available was last year with the Cowboys at 17 getting CeeDee Lamb. They by no means needed a wide receiver. But they saw CeeDee Lamb fall into their lap. They're like, of course we are going to take one of the best receivers in this draft class. Of course we are. So, again, that's where I think more teams need to do that. And it makes me think about what I want the Dolphins to do, especially with that pick at 18. I want them to go Najee Harris because I think he is one of the top 18 players in this draft class. And I know I'm a big proponent, too, of not paying running backs, but drafting one – at that uh, at that spot, after you already had one first round pick, I think is perfect because you're gonna at least get a top eighteen talent. And I think at the end of the day, like you said, you deal with the kind of collateral damage, and maybe you have a crowded uh, crowded roster later. But at the very least, you're gonna walk out of that draft with talented players and more talented guys than you had previously. And that's the name of the game. If you get talent on your roster, you're gonna win games. As simple as that. And then. If for some reason you have a desperate hole that needs to be filled, you do that via trade or free agency. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah, I'm looking at, you know, a random CBS mock draft. And there are guys that are not wide receivers on the defensive side that Giants could probably use. Micah Parsons mm-hmm. could definitely fit into that of roster. Of course, yeah. 
Um, looking for the first edge guy. Uh, Jason Oa is in here. Mm-hmm. Penn State um, kid. Yeah, there's there's definitely other opportunities for the Giants to improve their pass their uh, their roster, and there's other positions of need. But you can figure that out another day. You don't need to get everything now. When you can do that in the second round, yeah, exactly. You can get the second round, third rounds. Like first round picks aren't the only picks that become players for you on an NFL yes. team. The best organizations mm-hmm. finds diamonds in the roughs in the second, third, fourth fifth round even undrafted guys good organizations Mm -hmm. are going to find ways to plug up their holes without using a first round pick on that hole so if the wide receiver is there for the giants they have to i think they have to do it um i think so too but we'll see i don't know if that's what gettleman thinks but you know we'll 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 see um moving on a couple more things to talk about today extended season we saw this coming for a while um, I think mm-hmm. for a couple months we saw this coming. So they're going from 16 games in 17 weeks to 17 games in 18 weeks. Ironically enough, this podcast is going to be very exciting. The Giants <laughs> and Dolphins get that extra game against each other there we go. in Miami. So that'll be a lot of fun. The caveat is that it's going to be one less preseason game. I don't think mm-hmm. anybody's complaining about that. I think preseason yeah. was way too long. Four weeks was ridiculous. So a game's not being added per se. Just one of the games is just going to be counted now. So I don't think mm-hmm. that affects salary because I think uh, your game check in a preseason game is the same as week three, right? So I just think that yeah. they're just making the last preseason game count. Do you know if this the week is added before week one would normally be or after week 17 would be? I believe it's after week 17 i'm pretty sure everything is getting bumped back i, I guess oh, so I'm that's cool so the totally super bowl sure. is going to be president's day weekend so we'll get the day off monday that would again that would make the most sense yeah now does it make too much sense that the nfl decides to say screw it i don't know but that would make absolute perfect sense because everyone always says that that uh super bowl sunday or that monday should be a national holiday it's that that hangover high that you get from watching the Super Bowl and you're at a party or whatever. So it would be a perfect, uh, perfect storm for them to do that. Now, I'm pretty sure in the initial kind of rumors that I've heard over the past few months, like you said, I'm pretty sure that's what they said they're going to do. And to, to touch upon what you said about the uh, salary thing, Stick asked that too on Twitter. He said, question forever knows who anyone who knows the answer. Is the NFL prorating the salary for 17 games or is it a usual weekly check from the start of camp to a given date end date. And uh, one of my favorite uh, bloggers for the, or uh, sports analyst for the dolphins, Omar Kelly said basically what you said. It just, instead of it, like they always play 20 games, but now just 17 count opposed yeah. to that 16 or something like that. Did Omar respond to Tyler directly or did he just say it? No, no, he, oh, okay. he had yeah. someone asked <laughs> so, him to. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah, it, it makes, it makes sense from a stand fan standpoint. Um, mm-hmm. I I wonder if certain players don't like it because, you know, in that fourth preseason game, when you're not going to be playing, now all of a sudden it counts. It's just an extra game where you might get hurt, right? Mm-hmm. So I wonder, especially the star players who don't need, you know, the extra week per se, I wonder yeah. if they don't like it. But from a fan and a television and a media and maybe like the non-star players, the guys that are just trying to make their career. I, I think it works. I, I don't I don't mm-hmm. know who loses in the situation. Yeah, I mean, again, the again, like like you said before, are more guys gonna possibly get injured? Yes, but that that's just kind of football. Like mm-hmm. if you, you wanted it. to str- yeah, if you wanted to stray away from injuries, you would just have a 10 week season. But that that doesn't do anything. So I think like you said, I think everybody benefits. You're getting more of the sport and I would say by playing that one extra game, you're probably getting a better um, kind of a better gauge on who actually earned that playoff spot. Like you're not going to have that seven and nine team fluke in there anymore because there, someone's going to have to at least get that eight wins and you go eight and nine or something like that. So I, th- I think it'll be, um, I think again, I think it'll be awesome. And again, like you said, Nobody likes preseason. Nowadays, none of the stars even play in preseason because why? You already know what you're getting with them. Why is Aaron Rodgers going to suit up for preseason? 
Now, does it hurt the guys who are trying to fight for a roster spot? Yes. So maybe you see them bump the roster up from 53 to say 60, something like that. Who knows? Just to give them a little bit more leeway to, to form their roster and their opinions on certain guys. But that's all technicality stuff that they could figure out. But I'm all for the 17 weeks. Now, an interesting thing is maybe they add in a, a second bye week for a team. Mm-hmm. I feel like that wouldn't be the worst thing. And I think all players would be on board for that. Yeah, for or at sure. least if they say cut away the Thursday night game, but I know they're not doing that because Amazon just signed a so much billion money. dollar deal. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how kind of guys hold up physically going through 17 weeks opposed to 16. The AFC is going to have the extra home game this year, and then next year it'll flip, and the NFC teams will have the extra home games. So it's going to be an uneven schedule. So the Giants mm-hmm. this year will have eight home games, nine away games. It's not perfect situation, but at the end of the day, it it's it's go it's going by conference, so it's not like the Eagles get nine home games and the Giants only get eight. So I guess it makes yeah, sense. Good in that point. Regard. So that's mm-hmm. something I was wondering before they made this announcement when this was kind of like rumors. I was like, how is that going to mm-hmm. work with an odd number of games with home and away, especially in the NFL when there are so few games to begin with? But I think it makes mm-hmm. sense to have do it by conference. Um, what was I going to say? You mentioned Amazon with Thursday. ESPN, are they in the Super Bowl cycle now? I think they are. Or a- ABC, I believe. ABC, yeah. So yeah, that, that's they're cool. in it now. Um, yeah, so that's a ton of money. The NFL TV yeah. money is stupid. Like, yeah, they said this for a long time, and then last year it actually happened. There's like they don't need fans to be at their stadiums to make a billions yeah. of dollars. They really don't. Um, it's a mm-hmm. TV product, and I think it's cool that you know ABC and ESPN is going to be in the Super Bowl rotation. I wonder who's going to be their announcers by that point. I don't. Is it still going to be Steve Levy, or are they going to find? That, it's more? it's probably. I bet you it's the college guys because again, I think the college football or the national yeah. championship. I mean, that has to do the the second best numbers behind the Super Bowl. So I figure, why not roll them out for the Super Bowl? That would be awesome. And I wonder kind of if Mike Tirico regrets leaving ESPN now. Now that they have the yeah, Super I mean, Bowl, I mean, he's probably yeah. waiting for uh, Al Michaels to retire. And then he'll just slide yeah. into NBC for the Super Bowl, but he could have had it immediately if he just stayed. Um, so that's always as something. Long as, Booger, I, as long as Booger McFarlane oh my God, is not yeah. doing the Super Bowl, exactly. That's just it's just one of those things with TV and announcers that I'm just kind of like a nerd for. Like I I care too much about who the announcers are. Um, no, but it's awesome though, and it's underrated. Yeah. yeah, it's cool. Like it's the it's the soundtrack of the game. Everyone loves those calls. Literally. Everyone likes to go back with those yeah. calls. Last thing we're going to talk about today, or two more things we're going to talk about today. First pro day was today. There was a bunch of pro days. Mac Jones mm-hmm. had a pro day, I think. I think Justin Fields yep. had a full pro day today. Let's mm-hmm. let's just quickly talk about Justin Fields because I think he gets a little disrespected because it's going to be Lawrence oh, yeah. one. All of a sudden, everyone loves Zach Wilson at two, and you, mm-hmm. Zach Wilson didn't exactly go to a powerhouse college for football, mm-hmm. and Justin Fields did, and Justin Fields, you know, made it to the uh, championship game. Right. And he played really well in the semifinal t- game to get Ohio State there. Do you yep. think that Justin Fields has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder? And do you think he's going to be he's going to be out there in his rookie year to really show everybody that he should be the second pick in this draft? Oh, without a doubt. And and so so oftentimes do we see quarterbacks kind of get overshadowed or, or they, they kind of get uh they kind of put on the back burner and you always hear their press conference. And when other teams pick guys ahead of them, they're like, Oh, six teams make a mistake. And like Josh Rosen said it, but you didn't really believe it. When Justin Fields says that if, if he's potentially the third or fourth or fifth uh, quarterback taken, you're going to know he means it. And I don't know why people are so easy to kind of shit on him a little bit. And again, a lot of the argument is, Oh, well, Ohio state quarterbacks never pan out. Yeah, that, that's, that's fair. Find me a Texas Tech quarterback who has panned out. Find me a Mississippi Patrick State Mahomes, quarterback. Patrick Mahomes panned out. That prior but to before him. Before that. Yeah, yeah okay. Yes, yeah. exactly. Find me a, a quarterback from uh, NC State prior to Russell Wilson that panned out. So I, I hate. There's always the first. that. I, exactly. I hate that argument that, oh, well, they're they're a Bama guy or they're a Oregon guy because everybody said it, myself included, about Justin Herbert at Oregon. Like, oh, well, that system does this, that and the other thing. But 
you, you got to break it down to just the player and what you see as an evaluator. And I think Justin Herbert, tip of the cap to him for kind of putting everybody, myself included, to shame, trying to pigeonhole them as a player to their system and where they went to college. Again, d- does do certain systems elevate you as a player? Of course. But certain ones could also hinder your, your ability too. And so I think it, it's for some reason, Justin Fields just keeps getting overshadowed by all these other guys. And again, a guy like Zach Wilson, who physically talented, of course, did he play on a good team? No. Did he play against good teams? Absolutely not. So I don't know what the allure to Zach Wilson is when you have a guy like Justin Fields, who has been in the spotlight and he's done well and he's done well more recently than not. So I don't really understand what the hate for him is. Yeah, it never made sense to me. And I think that, you know, if we get shocked on draft day and the Jets actually take him, I think the Jets will be yeah. making a really good move. I think they'll take make a good mm-hmm. I think Wilson and Fields are good moves. I think whatever organization yeah. takes them, they're going to be happy. I think both will be successful. But the idea that I you I don't know if you're getting the same vibe from me. All the talk, nobody's talking about Lawrence because it's it's a done deal. Well, yeah, you're you already all know. the talk is about Wilson. And mm-hmm. even Mac Jones is getting some media attention. Yeah. Dre Lance, you never hear anything about what Justin Fields can do. And that doesn't make sense to me. I think that mm-hmm. I think he's going to be a good player. And I think he's an under the radar. Amazingly, he's an under the radar guy. And whatever organization takes him, they're going to be thrilled about what a steal he could be. I don't it, it, it just never made it never calculated in my brain why he gets overlooked. But, you know. Who are yeah. we? Like we're not. Yeah, we're not <laughs> we Tom know? McShay. We're not. Yeah. Um, we're not the mock draft. You know, gurus. So we'll mm. see what happens in the end of the month with Fields. Somber note to end the show. Uh, Deshaun Watson situation gets weirder and weirder. Um, mm. It seems like every day there's new lawsuits. The I, I don't even know what what's going to happen. I don't know. I, his trade value is completely. I, I know. At this point, he's just oh fighting God, for yeah. his career at this point, his reputation. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah I, you just hope that none of you just hope that it's not true. And then if it is, he, he's got to go. Right. That's basically yeah. what you got to say about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's it's such a weird situation. And again, we see it, I feel like, far too often with these quote unquote role models who mm-hmm. unfortunately you find out are are sometimes not always uh, the best of people. Now we're, we're going to, we're going to let this one play out obviously before we pass judgment. But like you said, from a football standpoint, his trade value is gone. No one is trading for Deshaun Watson. I don't even think Deshaun Watson is in Houston's plans now. Mm-hmm. So what a, what a turn of events for, for him. If this kind of unfolds and he is uh, accused and, and he's charged with all these cases, like his career is over. His, his mm-hmm. life is p- potentially kind of, gone down the drain yeah so it's it's so sad just it's sad i feel like like it happens a lot in sports in the nfl in the nba you hear it a lot and it doesn't it doesn't make sense these athletes sometimes Um, think they're like they have a sense of like entitlement and power and they think they can do whatever you want and they can't now again innocent until proven guilty that's very important yes um but it it just doesn't look good and you just there's like 90 accusations yeah, you just pray that, you know, it's either not true and mm-hmm. Deshaun clears his name or, God forbid, it is true, then the justice system does the right thing. That's basically the most you can say about it. Yeah, definitely. Um, So we'll follow that because now, even without the trade, going back to circling back to football for one minute. So now, without the tra- even without the trade of Watson looks like the Texans are going to be in play for a quarterback because, mm-hmm. you know, it's an unknown at this point with Watson. Yeah. Um, that will just about do it. Unless we have any final thoughts, anything we missed, anything we missed? Uh, I mean, nothing really. I mean, again, just, just to kind of recap that the free agency w- was very good for the, the, the Buccaneers. They basically mm-hmm. brought back brought everybody. everybody back. But everyone else besides Galladay kind of got shafted a little bit by this uh, the salary cap decrease. I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, again, just right off the top of my head, 
Juju Smith-Schuster one-year seven million dollar deal to go back to Pittsburgh. He he had to be thinking he was getting at least double that and probably triple the amount of years. So mm-hmm. again, a lot of people are financially are kind of uh, getting hit hard. I mean, hard for in, in terms of NFL players right now. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year and in every other year because are you going to keep seeing one year kind of prove it deals? You see people do what Bauer, Trevor Bauer does and keep signing short, shorter term, higher money deals, or do they want the kind of security? But we see in the NFL, there's no such thing as as long term security. It's just you're a year to year kind of yeah. player in the organization's eyes. You can sign a twenty year deal; they can get rid of you after one. It doesn't matter; they don't care. It's weird how the NFL contracts are different than any other sport. Like they're just not guaranteed. So see with the, you know, the TV deals kicking in next year, what the Mm -hmm. salary cap looks like, what contracts look like. I mean, the players have an opportunity, like a guy like Schmidt Schuster, it might hurt now, but he balls out in 21. He's going to get a huge payday next year. So Mm -hmm. it's a give and take. It's disappointing this year, but you still got to play well and get that bag next off season. So, um, you know, a month until the draft. So we will have a show on the 6th, right? Yeah, show on the 6th, show on the 20th. We can kind of work around it. Maybe we can do a pre-draft show, like right before the draft. We'll figure it out. We'll be in the group chat. Yeah. Um, But until then, we'll step aside. For Matt Ferrara, my name is Clinton Negris. Thank you for listening to Ice the Kicker. We'll be back for more NFL offseason coverage.